Have you ever wanted to peek into the dark corners of history and see what you find? Luckily, you've come to the right place. I'm Teddy. I'm Katrina. And this is Grave History, a macabre history podcast. We are back. We're back. Yeah, we've survived the melting of England or Britain, Oof. and we're back. <laughs> How bad was it for you? Um, it wasn't as bad as it was for folk who live, you know, in the kind of greater London area. I gather because mm. it got up to about thirty-two here, which is too much. Too yeah. much for me, but like on the grand scale of things, like not the worst. Um. It's more. It's more the night times that are triggering. Yeah, it's it's one of the few times I find myself quoting Top Gear. <laughs> Just how can it be this hot at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I was I was talking about because I mean I've been places where it's been really hot, like uh, Marrakesh, mm. for example. But even though it's really hot, it's like it's a city that's more built for that kind of heat. So it's it's very shady. It's got gardens and then all the, uh, the, the you know the old the traditional mm. architecture is like that thick stone that keeps the the cool mm. in so like that was fine this is just yeah this is just clown town right now and down here it got to so for me i'm west ish mm-hmm. essex and it got to 36 Ugh. here but then my mum is a bit closer to london and for her it was 38 40 oh, and God. just that's horrific. That is horrific. <laughs> and like you, I've been I've been places that are hot. Like I I've been to to Turkey yeah. when it was like forty two, forty three, and all still, you know, better. The, it's the buildings are built for it. There's plenty of shade. Yeah, and you know, places have aircon. Oh god, yeah, I, I had that in Florida. I was like, I'm gonna die in Florida when I was there. I was actually mm. like, no, this is fine because <laughs> everywhere's air conditioned. Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. And also they have those fun, um, like, misters. Oh, yes, I love those. Yeah. Yeah, so you can feel like a tropical plant. I love feeling like a like a little plant in the soil <laughs> with my leaves. Yay! Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this yeah. is just going to become more and more frequent with each passing year, I'm sure, as whining about what the weather's doing. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. It started raining last night, and I genuinely <laughs> ran out. You, were you Natasha Natasha Beddingfielding? Yes. <laughs> Hell yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. Barefoot mm. in a, a loose fitting oh, dress, praise the sun. Well, not praise the sun. Praise the the rain. Praise whoever the whoever the god of rain is. I don't know who the god of rain is. There's got to be one. There should be one. Uh Thunder. I mean, thunder would be. Thor. I guess. So I guess you could go. Okay, well, praise Thor then. That guy. Yeah, I don't know who's the Greek of thunder. It is. I I was going to say Zeus. I was also about to say Hephaestus or Vulcan. Isn't he the god of the forge? He's the god of volcanoes, and no, I couldn't be getting this wrong. Actually, Uh... uh, yeah, let's just say Zeus. Yeah, sure, that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's pissed off Demeter and now we have no rain, <laughs> is what I'm getting. I'd love some rain right now. Um, but yeah, so uh, 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 hopefully the scary spooks will be able to chill us a little bit, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
That's that's bring the, goal. the temperature down. Um, because we are, as I think I said last episode, continuing with the the spooks and the hauntings. Yes. Um, and we're looking a little bit further north, but not much not <laughs> than last time. Uh, we're sticking in southeast England, mm-hmm. fucking typical, and we are looking at Britain's first city, or the oldest city in Britain, otherwise known as Colchester. Colchester, yes. Mm-hmm. So Colchester is in uh, Essex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at one point the capital of Roman Britain, and it has some some excellent spooks that I thought I could tell you about. Perfect. Yeah, I'm up for that. But before we get into the spooks, I thought I'd give you a little kind of whistle-stop tour of Colchester's uh, over a thousand-year-long history. Okay, okay. That's good. I've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Hence (laughs) whistle-stop. I could do a whole episode just on the history, so... (laughs) So, as I said before, Colchester claims to be um, Britain's oldest city, or Britain's first city. It's not the only place in Britain to hold a claim like this. Abingdon in Oxfordshire claims to be the oldest town in continuous settlement. Okay. And Amesbury claims to be the oldest uh, settlement. Okay. So the place that shows the first signs of um, prolonged settlement basically gotcha okay yeah culture itself does actually show occupation from as early as the mesolithic era so the middle stone age with flint tools and pottery finds coming out of the ground dating to this era and shows continued settlement into the neolithic which is the late stone age or new stone age hence neolithic i get you yeah and then into the bronze and iron ages Mm -hmm. it became a center of life for the local celtic tribe uh who are the trinovantes yes uh and at that point it was known as camulo dunon or dunon i've i've heard it pronounced camulodunum and that was from asterix Mm. which is my sort of knowledge ah. of all of my Roman knowledge kind of comes from Asterix. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. An yeah. excellent source of, of historical knowledge. <laughs> but that name basically translates as the fortress or stronghold of Camulos, who is understood to be a kind of local uh, deity that the Romans later linked with Mars, as they do with so many oh, yes, the God of War. local deities. Mm. So it's possible that Camulos was a god of war, but this is the Romans we're talking about and their accuracy with local beliefs and traditions leaves much to be desired. So there have been finds Mm -hmm. of coins for the area, which show that a king of the Catuvalani, who are a neighbouring tribe, or were a neighbouring tribe, uh, with the Trinovantes, Mm. were in control of this for a while. And this, these coins date to around mm. 20 BCE. In 43 CE, uh, the Romans fucking arrive. Of course they did. And decide that they live here now. Okay. <laughs> and they establish a legionary fortress or castrum at Colchester, which they Latinized the Celtic name into Camulodunum. Yes. So Dunham is a pretty typical Roman suffix in place names. Uh, there's also a fort called Segidunum in Newcastle, which I used to visit 
a lot as a child. I did not know that. <laughs> and, you know, people wonder how I ended up the way I am now. <laughs> uh, it's a really cool site, it's, especially now they have like a, a raised platform so you can look down at the, you know, the remains of the site from an eagle eye view, yeah. which is pretty neat. Yeah, and they have a little picture of what it would have looked like so you, so you can compare. Pretty dang neat. If you're in Northumberland, I would recommend yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, Northumberland's got some cool Roman stuff, so, you know. It does. Yeah. It does. Just kind of lying around, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> but this, so this legionary fortress was the first of its kind in Britain, which is pretty neat. And one of the first of many first of its kind in Britain that we'll see in Colchester. 49 CE, the legion withdrew and the fortress was dismantled, leading to the site becoming a town instead, uh, which was mostly settled by retired soldiers. Okay. In 54 CE, uh, a temple to Claudius was built. Now, this is pretty typical for Romans. Romans loved a bit of um, emperor worship. Yeah, a bit of idolatry. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something that started with the Emperor Augustus, who deified his uh, adoptive father, Julius Caesar. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, he claimed that Julius Caesar was a descendant of Aphrodite, uh, as the Romans liked to believe that their ancestry came from uh, the Trojans. Right, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you can't prove otherwise. No, and that's like that's the, the whole point of the Aeneid. Like, in the same way that the Iliad situates the Greeks as the people who won at the Battle yeah. of Troy, the Romans situate themselves as the Trojan heroes. Cool. Yeah. I actually haven't read the Iliad, so um, yeah, behind the times. Pretty. My little fun facts that I have from my second year of uni. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Edwards. Yes, King. So yeah, so this temple was uh, built. It's the largest Roman temple in Britain at the time. Okay. The foundations actually still remain and were made with uh, sand because Colchester... And I think Essex in general, but especially Colchester, has no local stone. Right, okay. So they had to use basically what was at hand. So this temple and the rest of the town were destroyed a mere ten years later uh, in the Boudican Revolt. Yeah, so this is where it gets fun. Yeah, so for those who are unaware, Boudicca was a... Now, who isn't unaware? Who isn't aware of Boudicca? I know, but some people... And I like talking about her, so I'll take it. Uh, she was a queen in the mm-hmm. nearby Iceni tribe. They tend to live, tended to be up in the kind of Norwich, Norfolk area. And she was supposed to take over after the death of her husband. However, the Romans went against this. They did some horrible things to her yeah. and her daughters and basically took the land for themselves. Missed that out of horrible history. Yeah. <laughs> in return, basically, Boudicca started building a revolt, bringing in some of the local tribes, including the Trinovantes, mm-hmm. uh, who I mentioned earlier. And they went on to attack and destroy several Roman towns, including Colchester, St Albans, London... And obviously the ones on the way. But those are the three kind of famous ones. They destroyed uh, Camulodunum. They uh, massacred the residents, burned the town. And those residents who took up shelter in the temple were killed basically in the temple. And then the temple was burnt. Nice. Leaving what's known as the Boudicca layer. Uh, in archaeology. Yes, I've heard about this. This is quite funny. Yeah. Basically, if you go to any area where Boudicca attacked, if you dig down far enough, you will find a 
burnt layer, <laughs> which is basically her going full scorched earth. Cool. Mm, it's a pretty neat thing to leave behind. Yeah, something we can all aspire to, I'm sure. Uh-huh. And sadly, she was unsuccessful, but we can dream. Yeah. You know, somewhere out there, there's an alternate universe where the Brythonic and Gaelic languages of Celtic Britain remain, but... It is not this one. Not the one. I am forever salty. Yes, yes. Well, maybe one day. Mm. So after the rebellion was crushed, the city and the temple were rebuilt. And somewhere between 65 and 100 CE, a stone wall was added, uh, parts of which can still be seen round town today. Mm -hmm. It was recorded as a town in 77 CE. Uh, in the writings of the wonderfully uh, believable source Pliny the Elder, uh, but sometimes he's useful. Yeah, he's, has he his has moments. his moments when he's not talking about how you know elephants worship the sun. I mean, yeah, or the moon. Sorry, the, wait, sorry, the moon. Yeah, I think it's they worship the moon. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's Pliny, man. <laughs> but. Back to Colchester. Uh, so yeah, it was recorded as a town in 77 CE and continued to grow in size despite losing its status as capital of Roman Britain after the, you know, because of the rebellion to the newly established Londinium. Right, yeah. It did, however, remain, you know, an industrial hub of trade and crafts with things like glass, tiles, metalwork and coins all coming from the area. Mm -hmm. It was also already famous for its oysters which I will never eat because I fucking hate oysters. Oh, you don't like a you don't like a snot in a rock? No. A salty snot in a rock. Yeah. I'm okay. Mm. No. I don't want to eat something that's still alive. Do you eat oysters alive? Mm. Are you supposed to? Yeah, they're literally opened and swallowed. I might have been eating them wrong. Yeah. Never mind, forgot I said anything. Well, they're supposed to still be alive. Oh. Otherwise they're not fresh. <laughs> as far as I understand. You've been eating evil oysters. <laughs> and that's how I feel about burgers. If it's not still alive, I won't eat it. <laughs> oh, I want a vampire film where they feed on cows. There's, that's got to exist. There's got to be a... Yeah. No more rats, only cows. There's got to be a B-movie somewhere about that. Yeah. Um, so, towards the end of Roman rule, Britain's first Christian church was built in Colchester. It's the first of many, because there are sure, many yeah. churches dotted around Colchester. And then following the beginning of Saxon attacks, which Colchester was particularly vulnerable to because it has river links to the North Sea and the Channel, Roman rule began to withdraw uh, from what's known as the Gallic Empire, which includes mm -hmm. Britain, with the lost Romans leaving in 407 CE. It then became a Saxon site where it gained the name Colnsester. Okay. I'm probably butchering that. Getting closer to Colchester. Mm-hmm. Colne is the local river, and Sester, which you see a lot around Britain, uh, is the Saxon word for a site with many Roman buildings. Alrighty then. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember reading that um, if something's yeah. got, you know, Chester in the in the name, that it means it has mm. some Roman link. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so places like Winchester, um, Bicester. Chester. Chester. Yeah. <laughs> God, how many Roman yeah. buildings were at Chester that they were like, that's all I can call it. <laughs> this is it. This is, the, this, this is ground zero. Yeah. But yeah, Colchester continued to be viewed as uh, an important riverport town and most likely remained a key town in the kingdom of the East Saxons, which is where you get Essex. 
which is a fun little fact that I like. I don't know why you don't have Nussex, but you have Wessex, you have Sussex, and you have Essex, so. Nussex. I think it's because the North Saxons were either Angles or Danes. Oh, sure. That would be my guess. Speaking of, in 879, Colchester fell under Dane law, as well as the rest of Essex. Can't, can't have that. Following intense raids in East Anglia by Ivar the Boneless, who you may know from well-renowned, historically accurate show History Channel's Vikings, which we shan't talk about. <laughs> I've never actually seen Vikings. Full oh, confession. don't bother. The first season okay. was good, but then it just progressively got worse and worse and now they're doing a show that has like some serious um white supremacist undertones oh no yeah they they have multiple lines about like we have to protect our viking blood and it's like uh, huh yeah that's huh? um uh that's a little bit uh. mm. you can't see because mm. this is vis- uh, audio but i'm adjusting, <laughs> I'm adjusting my collar rodney dangerfield style <laughs> I can picture it. So yeah, it was given to Ivar the Boneless under a peace treaty, but then was recaptured by the English in 917 and remained under English control until the Norman invasion in the 11th century. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Ten years after the win for the Normans, uh, construction began on Colchester Castle, um, which I will go into a little bit more later on so i won't say too much about it now but that's when it began to be built put that table up for now we'll come back to it in 1086 it was noted in the doomsday book much like our previous friend pluckley yeah yeah um at this point colchester was known for having a population of around 2000 to 2500 big at the time i'm sure Mm -hmm. it received a town charter in 1189 and continued to be an important centre for trade, much like it had been in the Roman Mm -hmm. era, Uh, though now this was primarily in grain, wool, and leather, um, which were all big exports for Britain at the time. Oh, sure. Under the rule of Elizabeth I, the town saw an influx of Dutch Protestant refugees, uh, who were primarily weavers. They settled in an area now known as the Dutch Quarter, which is still known as such in modern-day Colchester. Okay. In 1635, Colchester gained its first mayor. Hooray! Yay! And then 30 years later, it saw heavy losses of life due to multiple outbreaks of plague. Oh, no. Yeah, that was, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> I think everywhere did, though. Mm. In all of all of Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget the statistic of how... It's like a third, isn't it? ...much of the population of... Yeah, like I think so. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. It was a ridiculously huge amount. Yeah. Um, Colchester itself lost around half its population, uh, which is pretty substantial. Yeah, also. It later also became a centre for the English Civil War. Right, yes. The one between the Royalists and the Roundheads as a royalist army took up residence in the town, uh, with a parliamentary army later approaching, leading to the town being held under siege for two months. Two months? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's the problem with being a walled city. You can be put under siege quite easily. (laughs) What do the people of Berwick-upon-Tweed face today? Mm, What what could happen to them? I mean, they've got a wall, so presumably, you know, they run into Ah, these kind of problems. Sorry, that was a bit of a... um, Northumberland deep cut, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure someone will like it. So one person gave a wry uh, smile at that. 
Sometimes that's all you need. Uh, but during the siege, residents were reduced to eating cats and dogs. Ew. Uh, so you can tell it got pretty, yeah. pretty serious. I wouldn't be surprised if some survival cannibalism took place, though I will leave that to the lovely ladies of Casting Lots to discover. Yes. Oh, they should investigate that. That would be fascinating. Mm. I want to know now. Did the people of Colchester eat each other to survive? I want to know. So when the siege broke, uh, the leaders of the Royalist army were executed at Colchester mm-hmm. Castle uh, and I believe buried in unmarked graves on the area. And Colchester was forced to pay a £12,000 fine. Now, I went ahead and tried to uh, do my best to translate this into yes. today's money. So adjust for inflation. All that, yep. Mm-hmm. And it was roughly around £1,340,633.89p. It's the 89p that gets you. It is. It's just going to fuck if you up. If you're quite rich, that wouldn't be, a, I mean, you know, adjusting for inflation and whatever, but that would be... I'm going to say mm. a manageable amount. Yeah, but it's whether people with money agreed to help. That's true, yeah. Yeah, mm. it's not quite Germany at the end of the First World War. No. <laughs> being given the bill. Given the bill. Yeah. So cloth trade died yeah. out in Colchester in the 1700s. Okay. Uh, losing out to competition in the north of England. But this led to the town becoming a centre of agricultural produce instead. Because, I don't know if you know this, but Essex has so much farmland. It's, I it's incredible. I don't think I like directly knew that, but I probably could have inferred that from, mm. you know. I'm trying to think if I've ever even been to Essex. No, I have been to Essex. Well, it's time. You've got to come again. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. When my, when my partner moved here from Devon, he was like, oh yeah, I live in the farm area. Devon, that's farm area. It's much more farm than you. And then yeah. he went like five minutes outside of Colchester and was like, <laughs> you ignorant fool, you said. Mm-hmm. Absolute ignorant fool. But yeah, uh, it continued to remain famous as well for its oysters, as mm. I mentioned earlier. Also became famous for candied sea holly root, which was commented on by a visitor to the town. So in the 19th century, Colchester became an engineering town, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of steam-powered things being made here. Oh, I love steam-powered things, you know. Yeah. Um, as well as being a site for barracks during the Napoleonic War. And that kind of military connection really stuck. Yes. So Colchester is, yeah, it's still got, I think, the UK's only military detention centre. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, still. Because, um, I, I mean, I think the UK used to have more than one, but mm. I believe it's it's got several now. Huh. Several then. And now, no, yeah. Yeah. And now just Colchester. To the best of my... I mean, it's not really a jail per se, but it's like a... I don't know, being in the military already kind of sounds like prison to me, if I'm 100% honest. But, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you commit a... I don't know, what do you get to... Uh, desertion of duty or... Oh, you're going AWOL. Eating your superior's pet pigeon. Um, or punching a French-Canadian. <laughs> well, yes, there's that as well. <laughs> I love that the two things you know about Colchester are uh-huh. it's mentioned in Asterix yep. and that your, was it your grandfather? My grandf- my Yes, my grandfather, um, probably clarify this. Now, he spent a week in prison during the Second World War for, mm-hmm. he'd just been promoted as well oh. <laughs> for punching a French-Canadian, uh, <laughs> um, so an, an, an ally, you know? Yeah. 
and he did the time in Colchester. Now, I'm not sure exactly where in Colchester. I was trying to find an answer to this, because the, pr- the military prison that's still there um, was established in, I believe, 1947, so that would have been too late. Yeah. And they had a prisoner of war camp there during the war, That was, but that was for Germans, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where he would have been. I'm quite interested to find out. But yeah, um, that's yeah. just... It's, <laughs> and um, I believe he got demoted, and by the sort of end oh. of the war my my grandmother who was um a code breaker on the on the Bletchley uh-huh. Park kind of oh, Bletchley yeah. oh. I don't think she was at Bletchley but she was That's like part of that cool. yeah well anyway she out, she outranked yeah. him <laughs> Isn't that great? oh feminism yep. i love it <laughs> I think your grandfather was just exercising the right of every Brit to punch a French Absolutely. speaker. Absolutely. Just once, <laughs> just once year. in your lifetime, just fully deck one in the fin. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I just got back from France, actually. I, I, I love France. I love France, but I also love making fun of France. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's wonderful. You did also get COVID in France. So. I did, actually, yeah. So there we, <laughs> there we go. So it's allowed. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 1884, Colchester actually suffered an earthquake. Oh. Along with most of Essex, I believe. That's awfully unusual. Mm. There was substantial damage mm-hmm. to property um, and architecture, but only one loss of life. Good. As far as I could find. Um, that earthquake is actually one of the main plot points or one of the main like plot moving points in the book The Essex Serpent. Which I haven't read, but I, 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 know, I know I need to read it. Oh. I've started reading it. Okay. But I do know they're making a TV version with Tom Hiddleston mm. in it, so maybe I'll just wait for yes. that. I can add him to my roster of hot priests. Is he playing a hot priest? He is. Wait, wait, what's your roster of hot priests? <laughs> I will tell you after the show. Actually, yeah, please do. I'm curious. I need I need the list. Yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you that um, the priest from uh, Mass, yeah. Midnight Mass, oh, yeah, is so, on there. Look, dude, I'm of using course. a copy of the Midnight Mass um, art <laughs> book as a microphone stand. <laughs> I'm completely with you, believe me. <laughs> Yeah, he's a vampire and a priest. Like, oh, made for me. Chef's kiss. Uh huh, uh huh. Um, so back to Colchester. <laughs> Uh, the 20th century saw the continuation of, of Colchester's military connections, uh-huh, of which basically have been there since its inception. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's what it, that's what I find that really interesting about Colchester. Actually, it's like the. Yeah, military just, base. It found its niche and it stuck with it. Yes. And I respect that. But yeah, so St. Boltoff Station, which is now known as Colchester Town, uh, which is one of three train stations that Colchester has, hmm. it was an important connection for soldiers being sent to the front during World War II, um, as well as Colchester also being a training site for Kitchener's army. Good old Kitchener with his big old stash. Mm-hmm. By the way... The reason it has three stations yeah. is you have Colchester, the main station, which connects to London. Uh-huh. Um, that's your kind of main in and out. Uh, you have Colchester Town, which, as I just established, was made for, uh, which was created mostly for the military connections because it's quite close to where the barracks are. Yes. And then you have Hythe, uh, which is slightly further out. And that's because that area used to be a port, like an important port of Colchester. Oh, okay. So it gave them connections out uh, towards the the sea. That may, uh, yeah, I, I did wonder why so many stations, but I mean, I guess if, mm. yeah, 
military has got to be one of the yeah. I wonder. Yeah, that's got to be one of the biggest reasons to import export. You know, people. So. Oh, absolutely. Huh. Trade and military. Yep. That basically summarizes Colchester. Yeah, trade, <laughs> military, ammunition, uh-huh. wheat, and other things. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not right. Among other things. <laughs> um, so that kind of brings us to the end of Colchester's like our whip, not whip, whistle stop yeah. tour through Colchester's history. Uh, it recently received city status during the. Uh, Platinum Jubilee. Congratulations. Thank you. Up until then, it was a town, which is wild. It also has uh, a Byzantine empress as its patron saint. Uh, okay. How did how did that come? Okay, no, that's sure. Basically, they kind of insinuated that she either originated from Britain or had visited Britain at some point. Okay. Well, maybe she did. Yeah. I can't remember the name. I'm a terrible person because I did study Byzantine empresses, but it's whichever one got a bit of the true cross. I think uh, it's Helen. Dude, this is way out of my wheelhouse. I'll just... You or could Helena. say anything to me right now and I'll be like, no. yeah, sure, that sounds about right. I'm going to say Helena, but yes. But I figured before we get on to our spooks and spectres, um, we might take a quick little break just to grab a drink. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have some rather lovely Arizona green tea in the fridge, which... Hopefully it's cold by now, <laughs> because it's so very warm still, even though it's under 30. Uh, it's too, it's, it's still too much. Mm. What are you supping today? Oh, um, I'm um, supping on some... So got, I keep fucking forgetting what it's called. It's like Coke Galaxy <laughs> or something. It's Oh, intergalactic. That's the, it's disgusting, but... You know, I, I, they they um they withdrew all my flavored cokes off the off the shelves. Ugh. You don't get the strawberry. No more twisted strawberry. Alas, no, no more. No, no more. I mean, they've got cherry coke, Ugh. you know, but whatever. They've all got that. But that's not the same. You know, mango and ha. Ah, this is when I'm jealous of of the of the Yanks because they've got all the coke. <laughs> like I had an orange vanilla coke mm. last time I was in the states. God <gasps> sakes. Oh. Yep. Well, I mean, some Burger Kings and stuff have the like Coke stations. Yeah. Five Guys as well sometimes has the the, mm. the wacky Coke flavours. I usually get the peach. Oh yeah, that one's nice. It is. But yes, you're tasting space yep. and I'm tasting... drinking some tea. Iced tea. Too fucking hot for anything else. Yeah. Let's go yes. grab a drink and then we can come back for ghosts. Ooh, yes. Okay. It's an awful mess and a bad case of cannibalism. Quote by Master Corporal Bob Bisson. If you want to hear more bad cases of cannibalism and indeed awful messes, make sure to listen to Casting Lots, a survival cannibalism podcast. Okay, right. I am hydrated, which I hope everyone is while listening to this. Drink some water. Yes, stay hydrated, please. And we are now ready for some spooks. Yes. Which is the best bit, let's be honest. The Yeah, that's what we're all here <laughs> for. Um, so what we're going to do, because there's kind of a lot dotted around Colchester, I went for the kind of hot spots, shall we say. Okay. So I've chosen a kind of three different areas or buildings that seem to have, you know, a good quantity of ghosts. Yes, okay, okay. And we're going to start with the oldest of the three, um, I didn't actually realise. I've actually ordered them chronologically. So, well done me. Okay, well, yep. there's an advantage to that. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to start with the oldest one, Colchester Castle. So, I mentioned this a little earlier. 
but I'm, as I said, I was going to go into more detail, and I will. Um, <laughs> yes. So Colchester Castle is a Norman castle but, uh, at its kind of roots. Um, obviously, it's been added to over time, but the kind of base castle is Norman. It was built in the late 11th century, and, and different sources kind of argue on the exact date, uh, but most agree on this kind of rough time period. Okay. It was built pretty soon after the wind at Hastings. It was kind of a quick establishment of power. It was briefly held up uh, by Viking invasions, but it was eventually finished in the 12th century. Okay. So it was built on the foundations of the Temple of Claudius, which I mentioned earlier. Oh, yes. And you can still visit the the remains of these uh, foundations, which were hollowed out by a man who thought that the Romans had buried treasure in there. Spoilers, Mm -hmm. they hadn't. But it's a really cool little area to visit. Did they? Was that even a thing that they did? No. I, I never thought of the Romans as being, you know, pirates. No, the most they would bury in there would be probably a dead cat. Boo. Although I guess that's the real treasure, isn't it? Yeah. The Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in Boscastle has a huge collection of mummified cats <laughs> that have been found in old buildings. Great. Yeah, they were buried there as kind of protectors of the house. I suppose that makes sense. Eh, who knows. But so the uh, the castle was built by the same man who later went on to design the White Tower uh, in the Tower of London. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, and the castle actually served as the blueprint for that tower, although it is one and a half times bigger than the White Tower. So Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Colchester, as I mentioned, has very little local stone, so a lot of the castle is actually made up of Roman buildings that were destroyed and reused by the Normans, because that is a very common practice, because why waste good stone? Well, why indeed? Mm. And it was... Uh, I, I'm sh- it's right there. Yeah, I'm sure it was good stone, although it's... Um... What were you talking about? What kind of stone it was earlier? Um, well, it's Roman, so it would have been brought in Roman. either from other places in Britain or from the continent. Mm, continental stone. Mm, import. No more of that with it with Brexit. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I couldn't resist. I'm so sorry. Uh, we're just laughing the pain away, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, It was later attacked by King John in 1216, as it had been taken by the French, who were no longer <laughs> us. But it was eventually returned to being yes. property of the crown. It began use as a jail, uh, spelt the old-fashioned way, G-A-O-L. That's just the British way, isn't it? I think so. I don't know if it's... It is the British way. The British way. We spell it silly. <sighs> but yeah, it began life as a jail in the 13th century, uh-huh. used mostly for prisoners of war and political prisoners who were kept in unsurprising... Appalling conditions. <laughs> Who could have guessed? Is anyone surprised? <gasps> no. Even as the castle began to fall into ruin in the 16th century, uh, it continued to be used as a county jail into the 1600s and then as a prison until the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in the 1600s, for example, it was used to house uh, witches, supposed Quote unquote Ooh. witches. Yeah, so uh, quote witches. I'm doing yeah, yeah. quote marks around that. The biggest quotation marks you can possibly do. Yes. We will get into witches actually in a little bit. So in the late 17th century, it became private property and was nearly demolished, but was in fact given as a wedding present 
in the early 1700s to Charles Grey by his mother-in-law. Hmm. Charles Grey. Because he had a fervent interest in history and was a an antiquarian, which is a kind of early version of an archaeologist. Yes, yeah, the, those those guys who'd have a have a cabinet of curiosities. Yeah, well yeah. known for completely destroying historical sites. Yeah, uh, mm. but the, the <laughs> I mean the aesthetic and the vibe was good, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. I do love a cabinet of curiosities. I would like my I own too. one day. I do too. Yes. Yeah. I, do. I mean, you just you just col- you just collect random shit. I do. I do. I have a little bit of um, Mount Vesuvius rock that my mum grabbed from Mount Vesuvius. Cool. Mm. I was going to say if you've ever, if you've ever been to um, the Victor Wind Museum in um, yes yes that's that's kind of got a cabinet of curiosities vibe and that's just you know mm. not colonial nonsense yeah it is a little bit mm, because he does have the remains of a prostitute there oh uh, well yeah i, I mean um, got permission for there's quite a few things there that make you go ha that's um yeah <laughs> i just remember my sister seeing him one of the pictures on the wall and going oh my god don't look at that and i was like oh i i i, I saw it like five minutes ago but yeah i, I get what you mean uh-huh uh-huh yeah, it has some cool things, yes. but also... Mm. I'm just saying, you can do a modern cabinet of curiosity. Yes. With a bunch of cool shit uh, that you have permission to display. Yeah, I can send you, if you like, some piratized wood from uh, Walton on the Nays. Ooh, okay, 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 okay. You've, you've... For, for your cabinet of curiosities. Uh, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. <laughs> Um, so back to the castle. Yes. Charles Grey, after being given it as a wedding present, actually started restoring it and adding to it. There's actually uh, an office space at the top of the castle, which he added for himself, basically, as a kind of studio. Cool, honestly. Yeah. And don't we all want that? That's exactly what I want. In 1860, it began its life as a museum, and that kind of hasn't changed since. Yeah. It is... Still an ongoing museum. It's very good. If you're in the area, I would recommend it. Yes, always love a good museum. Yeah. On special tours, you can go up onto the roof and also into the catacombs, the um, foundations. Mm. And one of my favourite things, because I've done, I've done that tour, is that when you're heading up onto the roof, not only is there a witch mark carved into one of the walls which you always find in old uh, British buildings, I find. What does what does a witch mark look like? Um, so there's a couple, but the kind of most common one looks like a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the way to describe it. It's a type of flower. Okay. Kind of looks like drawn with one of those things where you have the like one tiny cog and then a big cog and you go round it with a pencil. Oh, uh, 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 a compass? No, 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 no. The things they get for kids. Oh, yes. The, the, a, a spiro thingy, one of them. Yes, yes. I'll send you a picture of one because I think I do have a picture cool. of the one from Colchester on my phone. Um, but they're very common to find. You tend to find them around um, windows and doorways and fireplaces. Well, now, were they a sign of witches or were they to keep witches away? Keep witches away. Okay. They were basically the equivalent of, like, an evil eye pendant in uh, Turkey and North Africa. Gotcha. Okay. Irony abounds, obviously, but... Yes. You know. Um, but also, on the same wall, I think, there's also a drawing by a Norman soldier of... Uh, a warrior, like a soldier, and then a soldier on a horse. 
carved into the wall. Oh, okay. It's so cool. It's my favourite little detail. It's a bit of Norman uh, graffiti. I love a bit of old-timey graffiti. Yeah. Just here's me, here's me on a horse. <laughs> Yeah. I love the human instinct to just go, I was here. Yes, I was here. You know? You'd say I was here. We've been doing it since we learnt how. Saying I was here and also saying your mum. You know, just the the most human of impulses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, all the graffiti in Pompeii <laughs> is, uh, I have a huge penis, yep. I fucked her and so is mum. Yep. God bless. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, back to our ghosts. Um, so this one, I could only really find concrete stories of two ghosts. And then there's one which I threw in just because, oh, I thought you'd like it. You know? Yes, yes, yes. Couldn't resist. Well, I'm thrilled. Um, so I'm going to start with the the one with the most information historically. Okay, okay. And that is James Parnell. James Parnell. Yes. Now, James Parnell was a Quaker from the 17th century. Uh, He was arrested for blasphemy at a nearby church Mm -hmm. and supposedly disorderly behaviour, which is wild considering Quakers are supposed to be pacifists. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so he refused to pay the £40 fine. Some sources state that this was because he couldn't afford it, others because he uh, didn't want to pay it out of, you know, what's the word I want? Principle. Yeah, out of principle. Thank you. Mm. And so because he didn't pay it, he was instead imprisoned in Colchester Castle. Okay. Now, as we established, by this point, the castle was falling into disrepair. And because, you know, the conditions were already appalling, you can imagine how they got by this point. Oh, of course. Uh Uh-huh. So according to one of the, like, one of the contemporary sources, uh, a Quaker source, he was kept in extremely poor conditions and was terribly treated by his jailer who forced Parnell to climb a ladder to a little window where he would receive his kind of meager rations of food. Um, Later on the ladder was removed and it was instead replaced with a rope but he had to continue to climb it to receive his food. Oh god this is this is just gym class in second year. It's what they were training you for. One day you'll be a Quaker prisoner and you'll have to get your food like this. Jokes on you, Mrs. Mingus. I skipped that class. <laughs> See, I could never climb ropes. I have no upper body strength. I'm like a T-Rex. Oh, God. Why would I need to climb a rope? It's stupid. It is. The story goes that one day during this, uh, he fell, uh, most likely due to how little food he received, and was very badly injured in said fall. Yeah. His injuries went untreated and he eventually died in the jail in 1656, aged 19. Oh, God. Uh Uh-huh. Prognosis was grim back then, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Really puts things in perspective. I was picturing him as, like, a 40-year-old. I mean, he probably looked like a 40-year-old because people just looked ancient. That's true. It was tough to be a 19-year-old back then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But he was buried on castle grounds in an unmarked grave and a memorial plaque was later put up in the castle. You can still see it uh, today. Cool. So, as I stated, that story comes from a Quaker pamphlet, which was contemporary to his death. So it's kind of hard to tell whether these are 100% true. Mm. So part of the information comes from that pamphlet and then the rest of it comes from a later pamphlet, a book, sorry, 
by a Quaker controversialist called Joseph Bessie, or maybe Bess, I don't know, in a book called A Collection of the Suffering of the People Called Quakers for the Testimony of a Good Conscience from 1650 to 1689. Titles too long. Cut it down. Make it snappy. I mean, it kind of reads like a like a dissertation title. I mean, I guess, but even those, I'm like, we just need to give it. Mm. We just need to give it a one word title. You know, we need to title it like yeah. we need to title dissertations like an A24 movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm. I do. I understand completely. Mm. Well, apart from killing of a sacred deer, that's pretty wordy. Yeah, too many words. <laughs> Cut it down. <laughs> So this pa- this book was written almost a hundred years after James Parnell's death. So we're getting further away from you know contemporary. Yes. Um, according to authorities, he was reported to have died of fasting, or so like a hunger strike. Okay. But very few Quakers of the time believed his believed this version of events. Uh, and instead held that his death was due to his treatment, which led to him becoming a Quaker martyr, which I didn't know they had. They do. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if that was the the case. Yeah, I thought that was just a Catholic thing. Uh, martyrs? No, I think. Um, I mean, I mean, I think strictly speaking, the word. I mean, it's a Greek word. Mm. Um, that <laughs> I know this from the from the movie Martyrs, where they explain what the word martyr means <laughs> at the end in in a in a te- Ah, yes, that wonderful. French I extremity. love that movie. I'm I'm sorry. I think I it's a I think it's a genuinely <laughs> great example of like. It's gratuitous, but also it kind of has a point to the gratuity, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not something where you watch filming like, oh, okay, you just want to show whatever this is. Yeah, it's not a Serbian film. Which, a film that's just, ha, so I guess you just had an idea and you filmed it and that was there was no in-between stage, <laughs> you know, from those mm-hmm. two things. Looking at you, Eli Roth. Oh, God. Um, uh, <laughs> I love horror, but God, you have to wade through some nonsense, don't you? Yeah. I would like to put a, a little editorial yes. note here. Anyone listening who has ever had a, probably, let's be honest, a male <laughs> horror fan, tell you that you can't be a horror fan without watching something absolutely you know, oh. disturbing or disgusting or whatever. You mean you mean when they're, when they're like, you're not a true fan unless you love the film Last House on the Left or yeah. I, spit on, I Spit on Your Grave. And I'm like, I've seen yeah, both yeah, those yeah. movies and I don't think, that, I don't think they're... They're not for everyone. Yeah. And it's... No. Like, oh, you have to have watched a Serbian film. A Serbian film isn't a good movie. There I said it. No, it's not. Or like... I I have a certain... Centipede or something. Also not a good movie. I have a certain fondness for Hostel, but that's on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've already established you have a very weird interest in films. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's not my fault. (laughs) But yeah, if anyone ever says that to you... Yeah. You can disregard them as a, you know... A reasonable person and a <laughs> source to listen to in terms of horror. literally anyone who says that about any kind of film, though, tell them to oh, on, yeah, go fuck themselves. You basically. can't be a real fan if you yeah. don't listen to X or watch X. Fuck off. Screw you. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just here to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch something that's gonna like like the worst thing I will watch that will deeply upset me is probably Hereditary. Hereditary is a good movie. That upset me deeply. It's excellent, but it's deeply upsetting. And that's absolutely fine, dude. I'm like, if that's if that's if that's you in in horror, you don't have to be the person who's watched all the these are the one hundred most hardcore disturbing movies of all time. It's no. like, no, you don't need to watch that. Fuck it. I like gothic yep. horror and silly slashers. Both, uh, and you know, some of the best rated horror movies of all time are, are quite 
bloodless. Like Halloween's not that bloody. Mm. Uh, te- Texas no. Chainsaw Massacre's not that bloody when you get down to it. <laughs> Somehow. You know, I, I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it's a great movie. Um, yeah, yeah, the second one's fun too, but, but it, it's it's a bit more it's it, it's a bit more camp. <laughs> I love my camp. I love my yeah. camp. I love camp in my horror. You know. Mm. It's a lot yes, of fun. Exactly. But yeah, no, 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 that's bullshit. I can't remember what we were talking about. Martyrs. Yeah, martyrs. <laughs> uh, which, which is, which I think is a really good movie. But honestly, not for everyone. Mm. Not for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so um, I think the term martyrs like has some kind of. Uh, I, I wish I'd googled this actually because <laughs> um, I, I, I think it has like a, a, a broad meaning and then like a specific Catholic meaning if that makes sense okay yeah as far as I know in in terms of Christianity it's someone who died yes for their faith yes yes that is yep yeah and didn't give up their faith despite horrific t- torture and treatment which is the story of every single saint if you yes because <laughs> I mean uh, I mean, if I looked up the etymology of my name, okay, my name's Katrina. Mm-hmm. It's the Scottish form of the name Catherine. Uh-huh. And the meaning of Catherine is pure or purity after Saint Catherine. Oh, is she the one with the foreskin ring? Uh, I don't know. Was she? All I know about her is that she, she went through like all kinds of torture, including the Catherine wheel, to keep herself pure. Oh, jeez. Yeah, hence the... yeah. That's rough. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I like the one who, who's always depicted with his uh, skin over his arm. Oh, uh, Bartholomew. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I believe that's Saint Bartholomew. And then everyone's favourite slutty saint. <laughs> the, sl- the, the sexy arrow guy. Saint Sebastian. Yep. Him and his sexy, <laughs> sexy, stupid, sexy Sebastian. <laughs> There's so many like extremely erotic pictures of Saint Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he always like that? He's always like, oh, I don't know. You've penetrated me. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I guess you've caught me out. In he in every picture, he looks like he's at most like kind of like ah oh, why is this happening? You know, not like guys who <laughs> shot full of arrows. Oh, I had Ugh. plans. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my day. But. Back to Colchester. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Talk about, you could talk about Catholic saints forever. That's such a, a goldmine right there. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, so yeah, in terms of his haunting, yes, I couldn't find any first-hand accounts or even second-hand accounts, really. Mostly just kind of um, there is believed to be kind of stories, you know? Yes. Or there have been reports, but we don't say who the reports are from or when. It, which basically means nothing in terms of like yeah. raw evidence. But in terms of what I have, we have reports of moans of pain and anguish mm-hmm. coming from the jail, uh, which are believed to be echoes of Parnell's slow and agonising death. Oof. He's also been seen around the castle itself, reaching out to visitors and begging for food and mercy. So these seem to be at most kind of echoes. Uh, oh, like a, a, res- a res- residual haunting. Yeah, rather than an active, yeah. you know. Could just be could just be one of the visitor service staff who hasn't been given their lunch break demanding, please. It's very true. Help me. Having worked in a museum, yes. <laughs> I can, yeah, I sympathise. Yep. <laughs> um, it is worth mentioning, though, that when people talk about his cries coming from the jail, yeah. he wasn't actually imprisoned in the kind of dungeon area or the jail area that is still there. Okay. He was actually kept in a uh, crevice in the castle wall. 
in a crevice, like a, yeah. like a brown recluse spider. Yeah. And you can actually see that they've cleared it so you can see into it. Um, it's literally just past the entrance of the castle. And is it a nice crevice? Not particularly. I mean, it's a crevice, isn't it? I don't know. I, I kind of so... like the idea of crawling into a crevice. You know? <laughs> well, I'll send you a picture. It's very open now. Cool. So that is kind of what I've got for him. I thought the, the history of him was more yeah. interesting and I had to Honestly, include yeah. him. Because basically anytime you Google or look up ghosts of Colchester Castle, he is always what comes first. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the story is really interesting. You're right. Even if the, the, ghost, the ghost aspect may be a bit weak, but yeah. the actual story is pretty <laughs> compelling. Yeah. I'll be honest, a lot of the, the ghost story parts of these stories mm. are quite weak, but the history is a mm. lot of fun. Um, at least for Colchester Castle. And that's absolutely fine. That's just... It's like not like Pluckley, where both are pretty weak. <laughs> Um, so the next one this one I just had to throw in because I thought you'd like it Okay. because it's one of our favourite types of ghosts Um, and this comes from a site called Eerie Essex love the name Yes. and they put forward the story of a red lady Mm, yes Mm. I remember her from last time yeah yes yes yes. I mean different lady obviously but you know yeah she's believed to be the daughter of a a jailer from the castle okay and the reason for a sycamore tree which is at the top of the castle okay so Essex put forward a story of an assistant manager in the castle hearing tales of this red lady appearing in the mirrors of the women's toilets Cool. Yeah. Love a good mirror haunting. It's one of my favourites. I love a good toilet haunting, you know? That's that's very... Yeah. You know, I'm in school and, I, and we're bored, so let's make something up. The toilets are haunted. Oh, let's say Bloody Mary in the mirror. Yes. Or um, there's like three different Japanese ones, like Akamanto, the red cape ghost. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's annoying is that the women's toilets have since moved. Oh. <laughs> and I don't know if the red lady has moved with them because I was going to go there with my resident pass and go there until I saw her. But I don't know if I'll be able to now. Well, perhaps. Oh. You might be there for quite some time. Mm. The connection to the tree is a bit of a misnomer um, because the tree is actually recorded to have been planted in 1815 by uh, the daughter of the town's mayor. The... Uh, I was about to say, there's not a title for being the daughter of a mayor, is there? No. Annoying, like... The princess of town. <laughs> so, I it, it seems like it was not the daughter of a jailer, though the castle, as I said, did serve as a county prison into the 1800s. It went out of being a castle when it became a museum in 1830. Yes, okay. Um, so that's all I have on her, but I thought you'd you'd appreciate a good red I do, lady. I do appreciate a red lady. So the last one for Colchester Castle is more of a kind of group than a single person. Okay, S- squad of haunting. And it's, it's actually something we've covered on the podcast before. Uh, and that is witches. Yes! Yay! So um, if you want a more in-depth version of this you can actually go back and listen to witch hunts yes. of the southeast uh which is one of mm-hmm. our earlier episodes but for now i will do a quick overview just to save you the trouble so essex was a hot spot for witch hunts uh, and was known as the witching county of britain yes as we had the self-titled witch finder general all up in our grill <laughs> <laughs> but between the 1500s and the 1800s, around a thousand people have been accused of witchcraft 
um, in the area, according to Colchester Museums, with hundreds of them imprisoned and interrogated at Colchester Castle between 1645 and 1647, which were the kind of prime yes. witch hunting years. So because torture was officially outlawed at that point, Matthew Hopkins, the witch finder general, and I hope you can hear the quotation marks. I can't, don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> had to resort to other methods that weren't officially considered as torture. Like, uh, you know, like waterboarding, sleep deprivation, mm. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so methods include, yeah, sleep deprivation, forced standing, as well as the good old favourite, tie them up and throw them in a pond. Uh, yeah. Honestly, that sounds kind of nice right now, but that's just me responding to the weather. <laughs> yeah. So these were used to kind of force, uh, quote-unquote, confessions out of those in prison. Yes. Conf- con- quote, I'm, I'm making quote marks. Confessions. Yeah. Confessions as well as the names of other, quote-unquote, witches. Great opportunity to just to just dump on everyone that you hate. Mm-hmm. Finally get my revenge on that bitch. <laughs> As previously noted, by this point, the conditions in the castle jail are awful, um, which meant that Mm. a lot of people who were imprisoned for witchcraft uh, never actually made it to their trial, Mm -hmm. instead dying in prison, with many of them dying from jail fever or typhus. Illnesses you get from being cramped and unhygienic. Yeah, Yeah, basically. Uh, I believe it's a waterborne disease. Yeah, yeah. And we know all about about waterborne diseases here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So up to 30 people could be kept in one cell at any time. Oof. And prisoners could be charged by jailers for anything from food and drink to having their chains removed for a small amount of time. God almighty. Mm Mm-hmm. So in terms of their ghosts, again, there's no first-hand or second-hand stories they're more just there have been reports it's not just the way which i know is weak but still it's something yeah there have been reports of apparitions of these people of these you know people imprisoned by hopkins seen both in the castle itself and on the grounds um especially in the kind of shadowed corners of the jail where they were kept the reason they would be on the castle grounds by the way is because they would have been buried in unmarked graves when they died in prison right of course Mm -hmm. yeah bit of a theme going on there is now actually a plaque outside uh colchester castle which i think i posted a picture of the on on the instagram before which kind of memorializes Mm. all the people that died both at trial and in prison during the witch hunts and you know like making note of how this was due to hysteria and othering certain types of people yes yes Mm. and this year actually they're going to be doing an exhibition on witchcraft and magic in the in colchester in the castle itself which is pretty neat yeah that sounds great i do actually like that there's a a witch shop just literally like (laughs) two seconds from the castle it's very funny (laughs) Yeah, no, I hope to I hope to make it. There's a oh, the, yeah. I mean, there's an exhibition at the moment at um the uh, National Museum of Scotland um about Ooh. anatomy, body snatchers, and ah. Buck's skeleton is on display for the first time in Buck, yeah yeah quite a while from what I understand. But yeah, you how can, long is it on for? I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I would I, it's more or less only just open, so a, a mm. few more months I should think. Uh, we'll but yeah, if you if you want to see Burke's skeleton, then now's the time. I do, I do. Mm. <laughs> 
It is worth mentioning before we go on to our next location yes. that on the Colchester Museum's website, they do have some ghost stories. Um, but I wasn't sure of the kind of veracity. Is the veracity the word I want there? For uh, uh, verisimilitude. Yeah, whether they were true or not. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, know? but I just like saying it. Yeah. Mm. Um, basically, I don't know whether these are actual reports of hauntings that people have given or whether right. they're just, you know, fun ghost stories. Just them taking us all for a ride. Yeah. I didn't want to include them just in case. Yeah. But if you want to read them, they are on the website, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. So our next location, we're skipping forward a little bit in time here, is the Red Lion Hotel. Yes. Yeah. So this stands on the main kind of thoroughfare of Colchester uh, town. Uh-huh. It was most likely built around 1465, uh, as a private residence for a noble family of the area. Gosh. Before going on to become an inn. In the 1500s, it was first known as the White Lion, before changing it to the Red Lion in support of your boy, James I. After they, yeah, they read some Karl Marx and decided. <laughs> so additions were made to it in the 18th century to accommodate guests arriving by horse, which you can still see. It's kind of built over an arch. yes. Somewhat common for yeah. inns of that era. Mm. I, d- I fell down a, a weird Wikipedia rabbit hole when I was like, <laughs> what's the actual definition? What's the difference between an inn and a pub and a tavern? So I was doing all that. And, yeah. uh, it's it's very interesting if you're me. It's very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love a good Wikipedia rabbit Don't hole, we so I may fall down it too. Do. I learned upwards of half a thing. Fuck yeah. Mm. I think one particular Wikipedia hole helped me answer a question on the wheel. So, not in person, I wasn't on the show. Well, yeah. But sat on my sofa eating pizza, I was able to answer. Feeling superior when you yell out the correct answer and then, and then it's <laughs> right and you're like, you idiots, I could I could smoke this show if I was here. <laughs> um, so the, the hotel holds connections to the earlier mentioned siege mm-hmm. as Cromwell supposedly convened Parliament to discuss the captured royalists in the town's moot hall, which is now the hotel's restaurant. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, the Red Lion still holds the title as one of Colchester's oldest inns, as well as one of its oldest surviving buildings. It's on TripAdvisor, I think, so... Mm. Yeah, it has some wonderful reviews that involve it being haunted, which is very fun. Wait, what's it called? Red Lion in Colchester? Yeah, it's a grade one listed hotel, so that's pretty fun. That's like the oldest you can... Yeah, building-wise, I think. I believe so, yeah. Is it? I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. I think so, yeah. Um, So, as one would expect of a building of this building's age, the hotel has reported several ghosts, but we will be looking at the three I could find kind of the most about. As with Colchester Castle, we have one that we have a lot of information about, Mm -hmm. and then kind of diminishing returns (laughs) as we go further. But they're good, so I had to include them. We've got a lot of kind of classic ghosts here. Okay. And one of them I even have first-hand report. So stick Good. that in your pipe and smoke Dravy. it. That's really something Yeah. in this in this line of work. Yeah. So the best-known ghost of the Red Lion Hotel is that of Alice Catherine Miller, who supposedly worked in the hotel and was murdered or foully done to death <laughs> okay. uh, in the hotel 
1638, supposedly by a lover. Mm, spicy. Yeah. The first report that I could find of her ghost comes from the 1800s, mm-hmm. when the owner of the hotel at the time, after seeing her, was so frightened by her, he bricked up the door to her room in hopes it would stop her haunting. Now, does he not know that ghosts can walk through walls? Probably not. Mm. I don't know if this is... Before or after the spiritualism movement? I'd feel mighty foolish if that was me. Mm-hmm. Because, surprising no one, uh, it didn't stop her hauntings. <laughs> and she continues, as far as I can tell, to this day. Cool. Yeah. So she, according to reports, haunts rooms 5, 6, and 10, as well as the kitchen, as many kitchen staff have apparently seen her uh, walk through the walls of the kitchen and back out again. She's just coming in for a snack. Yeah. Me in the middle of the night, yeah. As we all do. That would be me as a ghost. Like, come on. Just phasing in and out. Yeah. So... Spooky Isles, another fun uh, ghost website, Yes, recounts a story of an assistant manager of the hotel. It's always assistant managers, I'm just noticing. I was going to say, yeah, don't be an assistant manager, because that's what the I've bad stuff I've been an assistant manager. Where's my did, uh, ghost? Did you see, I was about to say, did you see any ghosts? But the answer is no. obviously new. No, I'm disappointed now. Hmm. I want my time back. <laughs> <laughs> feel like I didn't get paid properly. Yeah. So this assistant manager claimed that after a rest at work, which is completely fair, having worked in a hotel, God, yeah. he was woken by what felt like a jolt of electricity. Upon opening his eyes, he found Alice sat in a chair across from him, looking at him with concern. He claims that she asked if he was okay, uh, and after he said yes, she vanished. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. A nice extra feature of the hotel there. If you have a bad dream, we have a ghost that can check on you. Can you, you alright, buddy? Yeah. You're good? You doing You're good? You're good? Nice. I need a ghost alarm clock. Yeah! So when I wake up, I need like a, like a, someone to just yell in my, in, in my <laughs> ear. Preferably something like it's it's time for school because that will get that will get me awake in, in seconds. I guarantee you. I mean, even now, if if the local not local recent trend, sorry, for alarm clocks is the basis for what you're gonna choose. I believe your alarm clock would be Chrissy. Wake up. <laughs> God. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. But yeah, that is our that is the ghost we know the most about. The ghost with the most. The ghost of the most. The next one is another stalwart of the ghost community. Uh, a monk. A monk. Yeah. And we've met a few of these guys. Mm-hmm. Across our various hauntings. I, I, I always wondered why they, they were one of the most popular ghosts, or so it seems. Them and I, nuns. I think it's because... If you can't recognise what something is and they're wearing a long flowing thing, yeah. you're most likely to guess monk or nun because they tend oh. to wear those kind of things. Or bride. Yeah. Aren't they the three most common things? I was about to give the, 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 the most um, low-brow uh, uh, oh, no. example of that possible. But, um, okay. Hold <clears throat> on. Putting my theme park fan hat on for a second. <laughs> That's me screwing on. Ah, I see. The, in in the in many iterations of the of the haunted mansion ride. Yes. Um, the ghost that appears right at the end of the ride is nicknamed uh, Little Leota, and some people think that she's uh, a bride, but apparently she's just wearing like a white robe or shroud. Ah. And that causes the the because the, there is a ghost bride on 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 that ride, but apparently it's a different mm. ghost. The people just well, see like yeah. In the Florida one, there isn't a ghost bride. 
But I think in either the Paris one or the California one, there is. Bro, I'm I'm really sorry to do this to you. Um, <laughs> so um, the the uh the, the bride on um so in the Florida one, the bride in the attic is the uh it used to be the beating heart bride, but she's now been replaced by Constance Hatchaway, which is the axe crazy mm. bride. It's a completely yes. different. Yeah, yeah. It's a completely different storyline in Paris in Phantom Manor when the bride is um actually I've seen both versions of the Phantom Manor ride because they had an older one and now the newer one. Has the bride oh. as slightly, slightly more villainous, maybe not that, not that much more villainous, okay. but yeah, it's it's a, her name's Melanie Ravenswood, and she's like a completely different character. Um, oh. And then the, I, I believe the California one also has Constance Hatchaway, but it had the beating heart bride for quite a long mm. time, and they brought back the hatbox ghost for the first time since. Yay! Yeah. We, we stand the hatbox ghost. Um, yeah. And also, God, when I went to the Japanese one, it was during the um, Haunted Mansion holidays overlay, so it was all Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. So I, I didn't really get to see it like nice. in, in person, but it's basically a clone of the Florida one, mm. I believe. Yeah. And then in the Hong Kong one, they don't have ghosts, do they? No, they have Mystic Manor, which is uh, about a, a magical box that comes to life and brings all the antiques alive, oh. due to cultural differences betwixt. Yeah. 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 I knew there was a bride because I have a little plush uh, of, of, of the bride. Constance. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'll I will. I will info dump about the haunted mansion okay. or any Disney theme park ride if you if you trigger me. I'm like a sleeper agent, man. That's my word. <laughs> Come to life and like cause destruction. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. The the point you were making um, that's like a just an insanely common like form of haunting is a person in a mm. flowing gown or robe of some kind yeah and i guess that gets ascribed to bride monk nun whatever Mm. depending on your cultural uh outlook yeah and considering the fact that a lot of people you know before a certain point in history were buried in shrouds yes correct it makes a lot of sense for people to be in kind of flowing of course clothes yeah totally i've actually modeled a shroud how was it comfy i imagine they were comfy it was very comfy Mm. it was like a designer one made of silk i think uh silk's very good because it'll it'll um dissolve quite nicely into the earth Mm, yeah it was when i used to life model for art macabre Mm. and they had a a death of fashion or something or fashionable death or something to that effect event where death meets fashion maybe something to mm. that effect yeah macabre fashion i, I kind of just want to wear a um, shroud but that was one of the people modeling they're very comfortable yeah just start doing that not for yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 but yes, yes. this monk this monk <laughs> um so as far as i could tell his supposed story is that he died while rescuing children from a fire? That's what I'd say was my that would be my alibi too. Yeah. However, I couldn't find really any set year okay. for this event, nor a name to go with him. Yeah, that's often the case. Mm. But he's often reported to be spotted in the kind of dark corners of reception, as well as walking the corridors, mostly during the early hours of the morning. Mm. Mm. But that that's all I've got on him. Um, and the last one is a little boy. Ooh, okay. Another, you know, another common sight. Yes, apparently. Who, he's often seen in the Parliament Suite, mm-hmm. uh, which is an event space at the hotel. He seems to only be seen by little children. Okay. Um, and is a, a sort of a prank-playing ghost, a playful ghost. Yeah, child spirits often, yeah, sort of fit that kind mm. of, yeah, mould. Yeah, unless they're something pretending to be a child. Like with the Sally house. <gasps> a demon. Mm. 
he also is reported to appear in photos, although I could not find a single photo that has him in it. Ain't that just the way? <laughs> Much to my dismay, you... I want a creepy little boy photo, you know? You'd hope there'd be one out there. Yeah! I want one on a TripAdvisor! Yeah! Yeah! I can see a Karen complaining that there's a little boy in her photo and it's the hotel's fault. I was just looking at the TripAdvisor reviews and one of them is haunted and dated. <laughs> one star. The staff are nice, but it is very haunted. Had a few experiences within one night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um. <laughs> mm, there we go. That's what some people are paying for, you know? Yeah. So much like with the monk, there's really very little information on this spirit with no kind of suggestion of name, age, or why he's even there. Like I with at least with the monk there's a story of how he ended yes. up dead there, whereas with the little boy, nothing. Yeah, that seems to happen a, a lot. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so moving on to our final haunted building, we're jumping forward quite a way in history oh. now. Okay. Because we're in uh, Colchester Police Station. My, my. Mm. So this was noted in the articles that I found to be one of the most modern stations in Essex. It was originally built in 1989. I imagine it's been kind of updated since then, but who knows. It was, however, built near the Roman walls. And apparently the centre of the building, which is now a rest area, is built on the remains of a 4th century burial site. Oh, Wow. Mm. Most likely Roman, as they did like to build outside, you know, they always tended to put their dead outside of city walls. Yes, yes. Which, fun fact, is not due to um, any particular beliefs about the dead or hygiene, but more to do with keeping building space in town. Yeah, I remember that from the Roman Mysteries, which is actually my other source of Roman mm. history knowledge. <laughs> I remember that being explained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did um, in my second year, one of my uh, final assignments was on um, the changes in burial traditions from Roman Britain into Anglo-Saxon. Uh-huh. Um, so that was part of what I looked at. Well. But yeah, a lot of it was just to do with, A, it's not very fun to light big body-burning fires inside the city walls. No, right. Um, And also the burials tend to take up space that could be used for buildings. Yes, often the case. I mean, I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a cultural thing in particular. From the kind of uh, legislation that I could find, you know, from um, the era. Yeah. That seems to be, it seems to be more that that's the case. Yeah. But it also meant that like when you were coming into town, the people who could afford it could put their graves right next to the roadside so people would see them. Oh, really? I, I just never really yeah. thought of that as something that rich people would do. Like, uh, people have to see my grave. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So, despite the station's modern status, it is also known as one of the most haunted police stations in Essex. You'd probably delight in knowing that there is a listing. I was going to say, I would have thought that was yeah. a very short list, but, you know, maybe, maybe I'm incorrect. Yeah. So, there was only... There's one big ghost here and then some kind of supernatural goings on. Uh-huh. But this ghost has some more first-hand accounts, which is fun. And they come from policemen, which 
obviously a no nonsense and very believable at all times. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so the first one we'll look at is a shadowy hooded figure believed by some to be a monk. Oh, uh, well, yeah, here we here we go again. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So this figure's been sighted around the stairs to the custody suite uh-huh. by various different officers. One report, which is kind of a second-hand one because it comes from the child of a former officer. Okay. But I think it's close enough. Uh, states that while their father was staying late to finish paperwork, he was heading down to the custody suite when the lights went out and the temperature, quote-unquote, literally plummeted. Lit- literally. Literally. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> In the low light, he apparently saw the figure of a hooded person who appeared to be floating near the bottom of the stairs. Okay. The father is quoted to have said, and this is the most brilliant Essex policeman thing <laughs> we'll ever hear, stop messing me about and put the bloody lights on. Yes, <laughs> yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. At which point the figure vanished and the lights did indeed come back on. Great. Well, I mean, obviously the ghost knew not to mess with a... Uh, no nonsense, policeman. Yeah, I like it. He saw a ghost and went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea of seeing it. I'd just be like, I'm t- <laughs> my um, this um, wind. My family went to Boston in 2013, so quite mm. a while ago now. Um, and uh, we had like a really, really hellish plane journey over there. I'm not gonna you know, go into details or whatever. Yeah. But we we stayed at a hotel called um the the Omni Parker, which is a really old hotel. It's got a lot of history, and you know Charles Dickens allegedly, well, not allegedly, uh, demonstrably mm. stayed there, as well as a bunch of other sort of historical figures. Anyway, and I didn't notice anything, but um, my brother and sister had some. They were sharing a room, and they had some problems with like um, the lights just going on and off for absolutely no reason, and mm. just weird stuff. And um, I, my um, I, my brother's just saying like he was like too tired after the airport nonsense. <laughs> he was just like, stop it. <laughs> Don't have time for this. <laughs> Can maybe I don't think he's, but yeah, I was like, he maybe come back and haunt me tomorrow, but not today. Not tonight. I need sleep. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so this isn't actually the only report of this hooded, quote unquote, monk. As another officer made a very similar report after okay. working late, stating he saw uh, this hooded figure floating over the custody suite stairs and moving down while the lights flickered on and off. Okay. Um, he went on to corroborate this story with another officer who'd seen something similar. And this officer had actually called in a vicar to try and deal with this ghost. And could the vicar deal with this ghost? As far as I could tell, no. Ha. No. There isn't really any suggestion of who this figure is. I couldn't find any kind of name or or era. He just seems to be an amorphous, you know, hooded figure blob. Yeah, hooded figure. That's pretty generic. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. He isn't the only ghost, though. Okay. There is a... So this one has... Even less kind of substantiation. There isn't really a description of, is it a man? Is it a woman? It's just a white figure. A white figure. That's interesting. Yes. A lot, a lot of monk reportings tend to report them being darker in colour, you know, brown or, or yeah. whatever. That is, that is interesting. Mm. So this report of a white figure comes from a detention officer mm-hmm. who relayed the story to his custody sergeant. He had gone upstairs from the custody suite to one of the upstairs officers to print off paperwork. Okay. And while there, he saw a ghostly white figure cross the room and then turn a corner. Mm. He followed them to find that round the corner was a dead end. 
uh, with no exits to leave the office. <gasps> At this point, he fled downstairs and apparently nearly burst the doors off the custody suite in oh. his rush to get in. And what was... Did he Did he find anything inside? No, literally just a dead end. That was it. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. But... No. And there we but have we it. do love a good... That seems more like a residual one. I mean, both of them do, actually. Cool. Well, yeah. monks, yeah. what to do about them? The station also carries reports of, like, strange smells and uneasy feelings, but, like, it is a police station. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it also carries... Uh, apparently, there have been several reports of people feeling like they've been grabbed by unseen hands mm-hmm. um, while walking the ID parade corridor. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, a police station is usually quite a active place. I, I don't mean in paranormal mm. terms, I mean just in, you know, regular terms. Yeah, in general. So, I don't know, it's one of those places that paranormal activity might be affected by how much it it, it is in, in, in use. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it could also just be a thing of there is a lot more going on, but it just doesn't get noticed. Yes, that as well. Mm. Mm. But the, the sources that I was looking at did kind of put it down to the fact that it is built, or part of it is built over a 4th century burial site, so... Mm, okay, well, I mean, that's like, what, the most common mm. ghost story trope? Yeah. The tale is old as time. It would make sense as to why the ghosts don't seem to interact with the people that see them, they just seem to be kind of floating about. Yeah, I mean, that also sounds more like a... It would point more towards a residual haunting, mm, you know, if exactly. you are to take it as a haunting. Uh, at all. Mm. Uh, but no, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of my haunted Ooh. tour of uh, Colchester. Okay. There are more. There's oh, There's plenty yes, more, but I, I didn't want to overwhelm. Well, yeah, I mean, and if you want to read more, I'm sure the, the websites that you mentioned will have more sort of information. Mm. Yeah, there's plenty, plenty of websites on on the ghosts of Colchester. Yes, um, all of which are you know worth a check mm-hmm. out, and I will put some in the in the show notes of this episode so you can find. Yeah, them. read some scary stories. But no, it was it was good to um, mm. thank you for that. I didn't know any of the of the ghost stories there. You're very welcome. Absolutely fascinating. Yay! Are we still going to be on ghosts next week, or are we moving on to something um, a little different? I think. For next time, um, we are gonna. I'm, I, I tabled and researched about half an episode about um, water adjacent ghosts. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean that. Yeah, that would count still as um, ghosts, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it's meant to be kind of a continuation of the uh, strange waters in Britain. Kind ah, of a, yes, a, a yes, part yes. two. Yeah, um, to do with, I mean, some of it's to do with, with, with rivers, you know, not just the, the ocean. Mm. But yeah, that was definitely an idea that I was batting back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that might be the next one. Ooh, well, I I would be up for that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a huge just list of ideas of stuff that I wanted to do. <laughs> same, same, same. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is rich and it is it is varied. I had one actually that was just um a, a long list of um cryptids that are you know Ooh. from the UK but that that are quite yeah. we- weird and unusual and maybe you haven't heard of them. I love a good weird and unusual cryptid. Absolutely. Even ones that are kind of almost, you know, um 
so unknown that there's just a couple of pages written about them. Mm. Um, but you know, I <laughs> I like going down those rabbit holes, you know. Yeah, and we will also. I don't know if we can say this. Be appearing oh. on casting logs. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. That will be happening. But I don't know if that's a secret. So if it is, sh- okay. <laughs> Let's hope it's not a secret. But yes, yes, we will to offer. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I'll be offering my in expertise, <laughs> and I'll be talking about uh, my some of my special interests. So oh yeah, cannibalism. It's always fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think till then mm. I'm gonna go and lie in an ice oh, bath. Oh God, I know, right? Oh, uh, right. <laughs> and take off all my clothes and be very happy. That sounds wonderful right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I would also like to just walk into an industrial freezer and spend the rest of the evening there. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I did used to work in a place with an industrial freezer, and honestly. Honestly, find find nice place to hang out. Yeah, yeah. No one will bother you. Ten out of ten would recommend. Yeah, no one wants to be. No one else wants to be in there. All the frozen bread you can you can eat or or not. Don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, until then, until our next foray into ghosts, Ooh, yes. I think I will wish you a good night. Uh yes. A bonne nuit. Bonne nuit to you all. And what we had to don't let the uh 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 monk robed ghosts bite yeah I think that's a good note to go out on yeah sure why not (laughs) just go with that morbid audio podcast network